Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. I'm Austin Meek of Waco Business News, and you're listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business. My guest today is Kate Duncan, owner of Wildland. We talk about the changes on her block of Washington Avenue, the fall of fast fashion, and the rise of sustainability. But first, Let's get to some local news. At the top of the show this episode, I want to focus on the restaurant scene here in Waco. This past weekend, we celebrated Waco Restaurant Weekend, which featured 45 local bakeries, breweries, restaurants, and dessert shops. The whole thing was organized by Carol Ferguson as a fundraiser for Keep Waco Beautiful. Restaurants would offer a special menu item or pricing, and those proceeds would benefit Carol's organization, Keep Waco Beautiful. Really awesome events. Carol, you did an amazing job. I stayed very fat and happy throughout the weekend. I think my favorite moment was getting to see David Mayfield, the usually reserved owner of the Waco Wine Shop on Austin Avenue, DJing during a pop-up with the crew from True Jamaica. Other good news is that Lula Jane's is no longer vacant. The former bakery on the 400 block of Elm Avenue was one of the first businesses to reopen on this East Waco corridor in 2012. It was an award-winning local haunt that closed after nine years, ultimately due to a fractious relationship between the city and the owner, Dr. Nancy Grayson. But a few blocks down just four years ago, Travis and Danielle Young opened Revival Eastside Eatery, and they've now taken over the former Lula Jane space with their new concept called Street Dog Cafe. They bake the most delicious scones and croissants and cookies, and they have the mission to help dogs get fostered and adopted. I'll have Travis on a future episode of Downtown Depot so we can all learn more from his entrepreneurial journey. But now for some more sobering restaurant news. Just last week, Texas Monthly's barbecue editor, Daniel Vaughn, published a piece titled, Is Texas's Barbecue Bubble Ready to Burst? I actually read this on my phone while I was walking downtown, and I looked up and noticed that at the corner of Austin and 4th Street, Coach's Smoke Barbecue had closed its location. There's a quote in that article from Yvette Helberg, the co-owner of Helberg Barbecue, along with her husband, Philip, in which she says, compared to last year, Helberg estimates revenue is down 20% since Father's Day. Now, that's tough to hear for any business, particularly for a cultural institution like Texas Barbecue, and For my money, I think Helberg might be the best food in Waco. 
some pitmasters across the state are being forced to serve indignities like loaded baked potatoes or even hamburgers. So why is this happening? Well, one, the article posits that there are simply just too many barbecue places around. Secondly, we know that the weather is hot and it's not super fun to eat barbecue when it's 100 degrees. And then third, money is tight and the cost of brisket has continued to increase since I've been living here in Waco. Whether it's Hellberg Barbecue, Guest Family Barbecue on Franklin, Tony DeMaria's on Elm, Papa Jack's on Waco Drive, Vtex over here off of 18th, make sure you are supporting your local pitmaster. Barbecue is one of these remaining bastions of Texas food culture. So remember, this week, it is your duty to eat brisket. In just a moment, my conversation with Kate Duncan of Wildland. But first, it's the Business Review with C.J. Jackson. Superheroes. I'm C.J. Jackson, and this is the Business Review. Entrepreneurs are often regarded as heroes, fearless individuals in control of their own destiny. Through research, Gabriella Cacciati, assistant professor of entrepreneurship, discovered the psychological consequences of being an entrepreneur. I was talking to entrepreneurs. They were talking about the psychological costs of entrepreneurship. They told me that the fear of failure for them was related to different aspects of their life. Cacciati's research showed that entrepreneur fears such as financial security, loss of clients, and disappointing others can lead to multiple psychological outcomes and perceived behavior tendencies. Many entrepreneurs use the fear as a way to be even more motivated, as a determination to win. For people who are under the fear of failure, what it counts is to avoid the negative consequences of failure. And that means different things. You can avoid engaging in the task, but once you are in the competitive context, you are really left with one option, being successful to avoid failure. But the reality is that many entrepreneurs are still struggling with reaching out to tell that they are fearful. Kachati says entrepreneurs should understand that fear is a normal and natural emotion. And by understanding these feelings, they can take appropriate action with their business. The Business Review is a production of Livingston and McKay and the Handcammer School of Business at Baylor University. The Business Review can be heard every Thursday during Morning Edition and All Things Considered here on Waco Public Radio. I'm now joined in studio by Kate Duncan. Kate is the intrepid owner of Wildland, our favorite downtown boutique on the 700 block of Washington Avenue. Welcome back to Downtown Depot. Hi, Austin. I'm happy to be back. It is an honor to get to reprise this conversation. Kate was actually one of my very first guests when I started doing this show back in 2016. I think you were guest six or seven. Uh, so obviously, a lot has happened on your block there on Washington Avenue over the last seven years. A lot has happened culturally. Um, but I'd like for you to just update us professionally at a high level. How does Wildland today as a concept look different than it looked back in 2016? I was actually just thinking about this before I came here that um, I feel like, I mean, it's been almost a decade, right? I've been open for a little over eight years. And um uh, it's just a different concept all around, kind of. I mean, we're still, like, selling nice things. That's, like, 
the basics. There's been a lot of push just in the fashion industry to get away from fast fashion and anything that even smells of fast fashion in any way we have eliminated from the store. We're going really hard into eco-conscious, sustainable brands and um, independent labels, really supporting smaller artists. On the block, uh, lots going on. We've endured a lot of construction to get to this point. We're two ways now, which is something we fought for forever. You've uh, got some pretty serious end caps there on the block true. of Washington. You have Tacovas on one side of you, and then mm-hmm. at the other side is the soon-to-open Magnolia Hotel. I feel like that's the payoff of the struggles we've been going through over the past few years. You know, pandemic in 2020, flood in 2021. I've given birth to two children. Now I'm finally like centering myself back at Wildland. We're doing a lot of like creative stuff, new displays. We're improving our exterior, getting ready for that hotel to open, which it's going to be opening next month. Well, actually, is it October? It's opening this month. When you say that you have more creative juices flowing and and the shop is having some exciting stuff happen, I wonder what are the ways that you stay creatively juiced? I have been really energized by people just in general so like I made a lot of like great creative friends and really like also I mean I'm sure like all moms can relate like children suck away all of your energy like for everything and so just getting them in a really good place like getting in a good routine and having them at school has like really like freed up my brain to be able to get back into a creative space but like my employees are so great to bounce ideas off of I only hire highly creative individuals and um it's nice to like have them to bounce off of and um of course my husband is creative he's in real estate and does like house flips and he keeps my ideas in check he's my um what do you call that my the litmus test maybe yeah well uh he sets my boundaries (laughs) like if i'm like i want to build this and he's like well you can't do that because of this and this these physics physics. the the general contractor of your life yes the general contractor of my life so yeah i'm just like really been in a great creative mode and I love a deadline so this hotel opening deadline has been really good for me I've been getting a lot of things done is the idea that the Magnolia Hotel is going to bring a more elevated clientele to downtown Waco and those are the types who would like Magnolia I mean those are the types who would like Wildland excuse me I do think that yeah so the hotel I feel like is um it's a nice hotel And they're going to have, like, a beautiful – I mean, whatever. Everything Magnolia does is nice, right? But they're going to have, like, a beautiful, like, rooftop bar. Like, I feel like it's going to bring a different Magnolia tourist to that side of town. um, And that tourist will appreciate what we have at the store. When you first opened Wildland, you were actually on Austin Avenue Mm -hmm. right there on the 800 block next to now what is the Waco Ale Company. And then you moved over to the Washington block when your husband, Corey, and you actually purchased a large building over there. I think that there's a large history of downtown Waco that doesn't get talked about. And it's really this pre-Magnolia boom, kind of like 2005 to 2015 or so. And one of the reasons why I started this show in 2016 was because I felt like the only headline was Magnolia. And a lot of the smaller businesses weren't getting their flowers. I wonder if you think that downtown Waco today and being a business owner today, 
if that environment is more friendly than it was in 2016, less friendly than 2016, or exactly the same? For me, it's largely the same. Um, most of our customers are locals and students. Like, it's not really about t- tourists do come in sometimes and sometimes they shop, but it's not a large percentage of my um, business. Um, I mean, it's better for me just in that um, people have gotten to know me. I've like made really close friendships over the year. I just actually had one of my really good customers that's moving and we cried together. She came in for the last time and shopped and we cried together. And um, I just, I have met, made so many like amazing relationships through the store. And I continue to make amazing relationships with locals. Um, I'm excited to expand that. You know, we're really, we focus a lot online. Like we're getting our product up faster so that we have a more of an online presence. And um I hope that I make a lot of new relationships with people all over the country that are coming to visit that side of town. I feel like historically, um, the tourists like don't really make it very much beyond like Franklin. Um, so I'm excited to have them come over and see what's over there because I mean, there's a bunch of great businesses over there. We've got Gather Grocery is so amazing. Um, Southern Roots. Um, one day, like there's just so much more beyond that Magnolia. Like I feel like from 35 to Magnolia, they're just come on over Franklin and see what we have over here. It's almost like the distance between Franklin Avenue and I-35 is shorter than the difference, the distance between Washington and Franklin. Yeah. It's only two blocks away, uh-huh. but as someone who's coming from Magnolia and coming from the east, it can feel farther. And I think that, frankly, a lot of the infrastructure that's been happening downtown and the improvements, um, a serious detriment to a lot of small business owners where you've got your street cut up. Um, we can all see the benefits of it coming yeah. in the future, but it's been really hard for a lot of retailers there. And particularly, you were caught up in the conversion of the street, or the should conversion. I say reversion of the yeah. street. Yeah, and then, of course, the construction at the hotel. They're, like, updating so many things. They shut down, like, half of our block for a couple of months not too long ago. Um, but I have just tried really hard to be, like, forward-thinking. And I don't know if you have driven on any of the new roads that they've done, you know, for so- – I mean, it's nice. Very nice. So I think – you know, it's easy to get, and of course, like, have we suffered some tough times in the last few years? Yes, we have. Um, and it's easy to get caught up in, oh, no, not more construction, blah, blah, blah. But it's getting done, and it's nice. And it's like a whole new downtown. As a small business owner who has gigantic storefront glass, you can see the activity on the mm-hmm. street. Since Washington has reverted to two ways rather than one way, does it seem like the vehicular traffic is moving slower than it used to, or have you seen any increase in pedestrianism? I mean, definitely like an increased amount of pedestrians. I do feel like we're getting to be a little more walkable. And that also has to do with the fact that like there are more businesses downtown to walk to and from and around. Um, But uh, I see a lot less people going the wrong way and a lot less people uh, honking and always having accidents. So that's great. Um, People are slowing down. It's less of a, I mean, it was four lanes one way. Like, that's like really crazy. I know. And it felt like that. It felt like people and people, you know, driving really scary fast. Um, 
and maybe not being able to see everything that is going on on Washington Avenue. And now I feel like they can. It's nice. And it's not, there's no traffic. I think that was, everyone was like, there's going to be so much traffic. And there's not. So, like, your fears can be assuaged. <laughs> what were some things that you learned during the COVID pandemic that you are still applying to the business today? We're hearing from Kate Duncan. She's the owner of Wildland, which is an upscale boutique downtown on Washington. And I know that COVID radically changed how some people did business. For others, it was just the same as normal. And we've largely reverted back to the pre-COVID world. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder what remnants or changes that you put in place during COVID you realized, wow, this is just a better way to be running my business. Well, we made a big change. We switched POS systems um, to uh, a Shopify. Everyone's on Shopify. I should have been on Shopify a long time ago, but I was using another platform. And um, the new one makes everything so much easier as far as like our online store wasn't really our focus pre-pandemic. But then, of course, like when you can't have your store open, that is like, how are people going to shop other than see what you have online? Um, and so we are a lot more diligent about um, online and streamlining that. Um, of course, uh, beginning of the pandemic, everyone's like, can we buy gift cards? And I, my old platform like was not great at like being able to buy gift cards online. That's such an important thing. That's great for us. Um, so I think that that's like the major change is just like being on online presence. And that's so important. That's how the world, my employee Kayla was like, she's, um, kind of bosses me sometimes because she's like, we really need to do this. This is how she says our, our website is really important. It's how the world sees us. And I'm like, I know I'm just so used to like just being in my own little space and like people come visit me and I don't really like market. I'm not like, look at me, look at me. But, um, we're more like that now. So are you saying that sharing memes of Meryl Streep is not enough for a social media presence? No, I don't think it is. <laughs> I wish. Ah, oh, social media. That's something that is always just a thorn in my side. Because there's so many options. There's always something new. And I am tired. I just want to like, wouldn't it be nice if we could just like not do it? <laughs> is that something is that something that you feel confident enough to offload onto these younger employees of yours or you I, really have the keys to the castle? Oh, well, you know, I always keep those keys, but I am getting a little better at delegating. Um a little better. Your business can't grow unless you delegate. Like I is literally impossible for me to do all the things. So I am trying to do that. Here's I've been working at Neighborly for the last almost 4 years and yeah. here's one of the things that I've learned that I will take with me for whatever I do for the rest of my life is that any business is set up like a game of Jenga. Okay. You have all these different blocks. This is uh, my employees. This is my payroll. This is our office. And oftentimes the failure of a small business is that when you pull out that one Jenga box, which is, oh, okay, I want to go on vacation for a week, everything else collapses. And the fact of the matter is, if that's the way that your business is run, and I'm not saying this is the way it is with Wildland, but it's something to be conscientious of, that business is only going to meet the capacity of the business owner. Mm. Whereas if these Jenga blocks are stacked up in a way that you can remove one and it stays solid, that is the sign of a business that's set up on principles. 
and on the systems of the business rather than the expertise or the power or the dynamism of the one person who's running it. Mm -hmm. And I see that all the time, particularly in home services, which is what we do is there's these people working 80 hours a week to make 80 grand a year and they don't understand why they can't take vacation. And it's because this is just set up based on you. You have to empower your employees. You have to have a good POS system that allows you to give gift cards to people who are saying, hey, Kate, we want to give you money. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> it, can, it can take a long time as an owner to release and allow systems or other people to come and support you. But that's a limiting factor to a lot of small businesses. Mm -hmm, for sure. Um, and I struggle with that since the beginning. I mean, it was just me for the, almost the first year until I got an employee. Um, and then, of course, like giving over anything creative feels like, oh, well, I should. I think everybody, every small business owner is like, well, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. Like, look at me. I'm in my Carhartt overalls because I'm like scraping. Um, we're doing exterior renovations and I am like shining up my aluminum window frames. Like, also, why am I doing it? But I am. It can't stop me. I can do it. So I'm going to do it. You can do it. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean you should do it. I know. But that's, that is an opportunity to get on your hands and knees and really understand your business and what's important to it. A second thing that, I, that I've learned at Neighborly that I think in my mind really typifies the wildland experience is that and it's it's about pricing, okay? Wildland, it is what I would consider an upscale boutique in the Waco world. Um, and I went there a few months ago to go buy socks. You had posted about boyfriend socks or girlfriend mm -hmm. socks. And I was like, hey, maybe I can manifest a girlfriend if I go buy these socks. I need some girlfriend socks. And so I bought some and they were really comfortable. And I was just shocked at how expensive they were. Oh. And I feel like those are well priced, but okay. <laughs> I, must, I must be cheap when it comes to socks. But I was shocked just for a moment when I was checking out. Mm -hmm. When I went home and put them on, I was like, wow, I would have paid twice as much for these socks. They're good socks. And the fact of the matter is, if you, as the business, are giving more in value, i.e., like quality or service, but if you're giving more than value than what you're charging in price, the cost doesn't matter. You will have people beating down your door. So pricing is something that I am super conscious of. Um, I work with a lot of showrooms that rep um, like higher end lines, obviously. Um, but I can't buy from all of them. I understand my audience is not buying um, $500 dresses. Um, I rarely get anything over $250 retail. Um, and if I do, it's like so special. Because uh, I understand where I am. I'm in Waco and like people aren't going to, um, it's not New York, you know what I mean? And it's not Austin and it's not. And also I have a huge college following and I, they're not buying, you know, they care about price. Um, but it's a balance because I'm not going to be able to, trying to, um, have all the principles I have with like eco-friendly, sustainable, and um, uh, like um, independent designers. It costs them more to make things. And we don't mark things up a ton. And so um, it's a balance because I want it to be affordable, but I also like want to be principled. And so we really try hard to marry those together. And it's hard to find brands sometimes, but we do. 
I think you do a great job on social media of highlighting the brands that you have. One of them I remember you talking about recently is Bagu, Bagu. Oh yeah, Bagu. Whatever huge. these are, I don't, I don't wear purses. But well, they if are unisex, Austin. <laughs> if I did get interested in wearing a men's purse, this is the one I would buy. But you did a great job of showing why this company is special, and I think that that's the important thing. Don't get whether it's you or whether it's the consumers in Waco. Don't get caught up on the cost of something. Get caught up on the value of something. And we're very much quality over quantity. So you don't have to buy one every year because this one thing is going to last you several years. I think you're also on the vanguard in the Waco retail scene of being very ecologically conscious. Something that really changed my perspective. Well, I already felt this. I hate waste. Like wasting is just like not in my... DNA. But um, I saw an article about this desert in Chile where there is, uh, they're like mountains of clothing. You can see it from space. And it's stuff from Old Navy. I mean, not to call it Old Navy. Like, and it's not like you can never shop at Old Navy. Just like for every one thing you get Old Navy, try to be conscious of something else. Old Navy, H&M, and just mountains of waste clothes. And you've got to know that if they're able to just, like, send them to the desert to pile on a mountain, they're costing nothing for them to make, which can't be ethical. There's no way that they're paying their workers fair wages and making them in a high-quality way if they're able to just, like, dispose of them in a desert in a mountain of clothing and it really like made me sick and I don't want to be a part of that at all. So not like we carried anything fast fashion, but there were a couple of brands we carried that I wasn't like exactly sure about their manufacturing, like where they came from. And sometimes they'd be a little lower quality. They would sell because it was like a sweater for $70, which is, you know, a knit is, that's an expensive thing to make. Um, But I just didn't feel good about selling it. I don't want to, I'm, I don't want to sell things I don't feel good about. One of my favorite questions to ask people is, what's something happening today that you think future generations are going to look back on with shame or disgust and not really understand? So, like, for me, one of those is starting in the 90s when we started giving Ritalin to every single kid like me who had ADHD and not really understanding the long-term ramifications of that. I had asked someone that recently, John Passavant, actually, from Startup Mm -hmm. and. John's answer was fast fashion. Oh, yeah. The I way totally agree. We're just going to see the environmental ramifications of this culture where everything was so disposable and younger generations, they want something that's more sustainable. Right. And that's why there's such a huge wave of um, vintage shop, vintage. People are very into, I mean, people have always been into vintage, but there's definitely like with Gen Z, like they're very drawn towards vintage and it's because of the sustainable aspect. Like you can't get more sustainable than reusing something. Um, But I do think just like waste in general, the way that we've just been conditioned to like, oh, well, I can just get this and use it for a little while and just throw it away. Um, It's already having a big impact on the earth. But fast fashion is a big contributor to that. And so I just, uh, I don't want to be part of the problem. As we're wrapping up here, Kate, I would love for you in the last 30 seconds, shout out some local retailers or restaurants or people in Waco who have 
been supporting you, who you think are doing a good job, and that listeners should know about. Oh, my God. Well, it's got to be everybody on my block. So everybody go check out Studio Grocery. Those boys just curate a gorgeous store, um, clothing and furniture. Gather's been doing it next door to me for quite a few years now, and she's just everything you need for um, home, cooking, um, you know, glassware, barware. That's the stop for sure. Kate Duncan is the owner of Wildland, which is one of our favorite boutiques, a thoughtful collection of clothing and other necessities downtown on Washington Avenue. Kate, thank you for being a downtown stalwart and for sharing some of your vision with us. Thanks for having me again, Austin. Thanks again to Kate Duncan, owner of Wildland, and to you for tuning in to episode 159 of Downtown Depot here on Waco Public Radio. You can find me in between episodes at Waco Business News, and join us back here on the third Friday of October for another conversation with an inspiring small business owner, civic leader, or engaged citizen, sparking Waco's renaissance. And don't forget that today is the last day of the big membership drive here at KWBU, If you've yet to contribute financially to support local content like Downtown Depot, please do by visiting kwbu.org. I'm Austin Meek, and you've been listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco Business. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.